thanks so much for joining me today for rem gm on on twitter i love that name and then we we found out that you know you got kind of quasi doxxed when you joined a new team we'll talk about that after um so rem i think i'm still gonna call you rem because i'm pretty sure that's that's probably what everybody calls you right um but thanks for joining me today, man. I appreciate it. You kind of came on short notice as well. You're definitely somebody I was hoping to have uh, on a future episode at some point, just a little sooner than I was expecting. But I know you got a lot of exciting things going on, kind of IRL, in Web3. Um, obviously, folks listening to this, we have a huge support from kind of the Rebels community. Um, so they're going to know who you are. But we have a lot of new people joining us every week uh, as we kind of grow as a new podcast. So can you just give us a, a quick little intro of kind of who you are, what you've been up to, and um, what it means to be... Ram. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, so let me just first just start with, um, yeah, so my name is Ram. Uh, in real life, it's my name is Ram Co. Um, so that's basically how I also got to my name. I didn't want to make it too difficult because, um, yeah, you know, even though we're sort of uh, hidden in Web3, um, I think real life and Web3 and, and Web should mix a little bit more together. And I was right, I think, because as soon as I got into Web3 and I started joining the communities, especially Rebels and, and Psychedelic Anonymous, like, yeah, I met a lot of people. And like we're talking and, you know, all the, all the guys uh, and girls in our communities, you know, we, we got an acquaintance so, so fast and we're supporting each other and, you know, helping each other be more creative and, 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 and all of that. So, yeah, I just didn't want to hide behind some, some funky name. And, uh, and just be myself here. Um, so in real life, uh, I work at this company called Media Monks. I run their Web2 Web and Web3 business um, across the world. So we got about two, 300 people working in my team, building cool websites, digital ecosystems and all that stuff. Um, and also working with our Web3 teams there um, and bridging our Web2 clients to Web3. So that's what I do on a daily basis. And um, yeah, in Web3, I just basically use it to, you know, um, be more creative and use it as a as sort of a creative outlet. And um, that's, that's yeah, that's that's been going pretty well so far. <laughs> yeah, and I think for me, my first introduction where I started seeing you obviously was on the Rebels Project, Rebels by, Na- by Night, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about. Um, and you were doing a lot of really cool art kind of inspired by and uh, the project. And then, you know, you've kind of went your own way with really leading uh, what we call our, our, our bucket, uh, bucket head, uh, a bucket hat group. Sorry. Um, so it's, uh, you know, that's become its own thing. It's, it was, a, it was kind of a chat for a while. It was, it's a, obviously a Twitter page and it's sort of a faction of the rebels. And, and, you know, I find that's, there's a ton of really artistic folks there. So I, I think, you know, starting to find, find your tribe with, with that group. And, and you've done a lot of really cool, uh, really cool art and you're doing a lot of really cool art currently um, that I've always enjoyed. Um, have you really only been doing art like on the AI side or were you always kind of into the traditional side of art? Like what's your background like on the, on that creative side? Yeah. So on a creative side, so before I even joined this, this company that I work at now, I had a sort of digital innovation agency for over 10 years. Uh, it was just like a small agency, so I had to do a lot myself. So I basically also, next to the business side, which which I really love, I also love, love, always love to do the creative side. So I basically leaned into creating apps, augmented reality, virtual reality. So I also did a lot of visualization, UX, and all of that stuff there. Um, sort of realized, you know, I can do a lot, but I'm 
really not a good designer or a good creative. Um, but to that sense, yeah, so I always had that that um, yeah that ambition to do more with the creative side of things. Um, on the other hand, so when I started out in web three or basically more the NFT side of web three, because before I did a lot of trading in crypto, like like most of us. And then I sort of started exploring communities and the communities were so dope. There were so many creatives in there that really didn't have any boundaries of, of um, doing stuff. But I also saw a lot of people that wanted to do stuff, but sort of felt, you know, might be a little bit awkward when you do something and then you publish it and then people have opinions about it and stuff like that. And basically when I was joining Rebels and I heard, actually I heard Nas on another um, project that I was on, Math Army, and Math Army was about more coders and, and, and uh, technical guys. And they were sort of stimulated participating and using their code and asking questions and stuff like that. And um, they didn't have any, um, how do you say that, boundaries or, or didn't, didn't feel awkward asking the questions. When I heard Nas start talking about uh, Rebels, I thought, like, wow, this is cool because that's the creative side of things, right? Um, and then when I joined Rebels, I actually found, you know, like the communities and we started to gather around and we sort of, I think it was Max and, and Harley. Uh, I don't know for sure if it was them, but they started this Buckethead Gang uh, Twitter account and we got into the DMs and everything. And then pretty soon, Everybody there was, um, I saw a lot of creative people in there. And I thought, you know, like, how cool would it be if we sort of come together and, and help each other sort of be a little bit more creative and help each other publish things. And so um, that's sort of how it started. You know, like you just said, like finding your tribe. This, that, that's what we basically did with Rebels. And that's why I started experimenting a little bit more and trying to get more people also to experiment with creations. And basically, if you if you talk to to all of the all of the people in in the Buckethead gang, you find people that you know do other things in their daily lives, but are really really great illustrators, um, movie editors or video editors. Um, People who are mu musicians that that like you know you wouldn't necessarily um, um, get that while you're talking about NFTs uh, uh, online, but within the community, you know, we we found a way to talk about that and and to sort of push and and um, yeah stimulate each other to to make little creations, and yeah, I think that that's sort of how it came to this. Yeah, and I think, you know, in the mainstream now, we're seeing a lot of AI stuff, right? Chat GPT, and we're seeing um, mid-journey, all that kind of stuff. You know, the I have friends talking about it now, but, you know, we were talking about that a year ago, uh, I feel like, with the Rebels. And, you know, it's, it's this group of creators that are excited to try new things. And I think, like, to me, what our community as Rebels really gave me, and I think a lot of people, was you know, almost like that permission to just go for it, right? To to just try. Like, Nas is always the first guy to, you start talking about, oh, it'd be cool if someone did this, or I was thinking about doing this. He's the first guy to be like, do it then. Like, you should do it. Like, he's always, you know, really supportive. And I think, you know, some people just needed that push. And it's good to have a community that, you know, I think most folks are going to kind of 
um, you know, going to gather around anything that anyone from our community creates. Everyone tries to support, right? Rather, you know, as, as simple as just, you know, a like and a retweet or a comment or something like, you know, that's helping out, right? That's helping getting the word out, even if maybe it's not something you're directly, you know, interested in. Um, but most of the time everyone jumps in and, and I, you know, that's a, that's a really great vibe that I, I personally wasn't getting from, you know, the quote unquote communities on the crypto side, but it was just tokens and stuff like that, right? Like I was, I was like you, where I started off trading, you know, and there wasn't really a community. It was a community of people waiting for the price to go up and then everyone trying to rush to sell before everyone else, right? Like for most of those smaller projects, especially during that, you know, uh, that boom of the bull market, like it, it didn't really feel like everyone was there for genuine reasons. And there was a lot of really cool projects being made and stuff like that, but it's, you don't have that same sense of, of community that you do have with the, you know, on the NFT side. And, and I think, cause most people are there, you know, because especially if it's not a brand new project or something, they're like, they're there for the art, they're there for the community. They have some sort of real connection with what's going on. And, um, that's why I think that a lot of us really, you know, rebels was a great, uh, Genesis point of all these different things that we're doing now. Um, so I find what you're doing, you know, IRL, for lack of a better term, really interesting. Um, and I was hoping to dive in a little bit about like, how did you, how did you go from, you said you were kind of doing your own thing uh, for about 10 years and now you're with Media Monks. Um, how did you end up finding your way to them and sort of what, um, what sort of things, so you're connecting Web 2 and Web 3. So what is, what does that look like when you're, when you're uh, partnered with, with one of their companies? Yeah. So um, maybe, just get a little bit more personal, like funny story. Um, <laughs> I, so I, I have a creative background, right? So I come from advertising agencies, all that stuff. And and like I, when when you run your own agency and you come from a creative side, like that's all basically all your whole passion that that you're doing like there like twenty four seven. Um, then at some point, like I decided, I wanted to work with bigger bigger brands, right? Because when you run your own small agency, you sort of at, a, at some point find that not all doors open anymore right so you, you don't have access to the biggest brands anymore um so i started <laughs> i actually joined a big tech company and uh, i won't know, know the name but like people who will reverse engineer who i am um sort of figure it out um but it's basically i, I ended up in a consultancy company and at some point i was you know Business was going good, but but I really don't don't care hanging out with consultants. Um, and I was so sort of in uh, in France in Cannes, like the Cannes Lions, and I ended up at this massive party. It was insane, crazy, creative people there, and it basically was hosted by media monks. And I actually knew one of the founders from way back, and I saw them, and I was like, oh, dude, I really need to get back into this game, because these guys are going to do some really really uh, cool things. And then, so when I got back, I, I texted one of the founders and I said, like, hey, man, like, um, you know, it's been a while. Uh, I think you guys are doing some really cool, cool stuff. You know, this is what I'm doing right now and we should talk. Uh, we talked and then I think two, three weeks later, we agreed that I would join their company. <laughs> and that's basically how it went. And then at that point, the company was 800 people just sold to... Uh, um into this bigger bigger other big company s4 and um we now four years later we're now about ten thousand people and i run sort of one part of their business um it's called platforms and e-commerce so what we basically do is build bigger digital ecosystems um 
but also more the, on the creative uh, creative uh, parts of the business. So we work for companies like McLaren, Spotify, um, Starbucks, like those types of companies. We deliver their web and app, app side of things. But on the other hand, like we also started to um, bridge companies to web two or to web three. And so we, I don't know, yeah, I can talk about it. So we basically also built the Gucci Vault, the the Web3 uh, side of things. We just launched a project uh, for Mogler uh, that minted out on uh, on uh, OpenSea. And um, we did the activation for Cool Cats at uh, NFC New York um, or NFT New York. Um, yeah, so we basically do do a lot of stuff. Um, I, if someone's interested, just look on the website. You find a lot of cool, cool things. Um, and that's basically what I do. But there, I'm not a creative. <laughs> there, I run mm. the business side of things. So basically, all the commercials, make sure that the teams can expand, um, and uh, yeah, basically expand their business. And so you're pretty much going from both sides of the fence there. So you have some web two companies who you're kind of, I guess, bringing web three to them. Uh, and then you do have some web three companies who you're kind of helping cross that barrier in, into some more, you know, in real life kind of web two like activities than like with those real life events and stuff like that. So that's interesting. So you're kind of bridging that gap both ways with, with some of the, some of those clients then. Yeah. So, so we actually have a lot of talented web three artists also working for us and web three strategists. Uh, so it's not me personally always always sort of pushing the buttons, but we have a lot of uh, yeah people deep within the communities, and we really feel that if you want to advise companies to come to Web3 or at least on a strategy level think about how to do that because like you can do it in in terms of promotion and and stuff like that, but really knowing what Web3 is about and what the audience is about, you know, and what we as as Web3 I, I guess I could call us Web3 natives by the, by now. Uh, what actually us, you know, who are designing the Web3 space expect from brands, you really need people that are in the space. And so that's also where we got our credibility by working with these Web3 brands um, because they know that we really understand what they are about. Um, and that helps also, of course, you know, while talking to Web2 brands that they know that you're actually working for these Web3 brands. Yeah. And I mean, I think that for Web2 companies, there is some hesitancy if they're not really well versed in the Web3 side of things, right? Like you start to hear a lot of companies hear the word crypto or, or NFTs or any, any of these things, and, and they might not always have a positive connotation immediately. Um, and, you know, we know that Web3, due to the fact that it is so open, you get the good with the bad, right? So it's very intimidating, I think, for for uh, especially established companies to to take their first voyage into this space because you know it's like if you left your front door open at home, like people are gonna walk in and you might meet some really cool people and you might have some people stealing your stuff, right? Like, uh, and that's Web three, right? Like that's we get we get a little bit of everything. So it's I think you know, these companies definitely need someone to take them on that journey, connect them with the right people um, to build those those experiences that they're looking to build. And I, I know as many of people in this space, we've seen a lot of those web companies kind of enter Web3 and we've seen some really successful, you know, great um, 
campaigns um, and some great projects and things come from that. But we've also seen some really out of touch stuff that's just like, like you said, the Web3 native community, the people who have been here are just looking at some of these companies coming in and going like, what are they doing? Like they have no idea how the space works and like, you know, and then it just, it doesn't work out. Right. Or, or they end up having to kind of use company funds to sort of, you know, <laughs> bandaid the situation and look and make it a little, uh, a little less, uh, you know, of a failure really. Right. Like we've seen a couple big ones recently. I'm not going to name names cause you know, <laughs> it's uh, if you're in the space, you've, you've seen it happen and you've seen the good ones too. Right. And I think that, um, that's a really interesting space. I, I've talked to you know, a lot of people in the space who are looking at how do I start connecting this Web three life and this Web three experience, you know, to what I'm doing in real in the real world. And like, you know, people are really interested in working in this space, and that's why I was really interested to talk to you because you know, it, it, you're kind of blend. That's two spaces are kind of becoming one for you. I think as time goes on, right? Yeah, I think so. Basically, the most fundamental question that we're asking our clients right now when they come to us with this, and and let's say they're at maturity stage one, <laughs> if if you could sort of uh, plot them into uh, maturity stages. Uh, so maturity stage one would basically mean, like, I don't know anything about it, but I'm super interested. Uh, maturity stage, let's say three or four would be like, I know it. I al- already know how to handle and manage crypto wallets and and, and digital assets in that space uh, within my company. And I've actually evolved my company into an agile company. And I know that that Web3 and the audiences there are part of my marketing strategy, right? So especially Web3 curious brands, first, you know, we try to explain to them that it is about turning your whole marketing perspective from talking to your audience to talking to your community. And that is such a fundamental step that when you're a mature marketeer, you'll understand when I tell you this, that it is not a campaign. Because when you go from audience where you can broadcast to community where you actually have conversations with your audience and start learning from them and start to interact with them, you know, on the good and the bad stuff. Um, Because it's sometimes hard to interact with your community on a daily basis. And especially people who are in Web3 right now have super high expectations. Um, that, That requires a different strategy. And it requires a different way of opening up and uh, letting your community get close to your brand. And um, yeah, so so the hard conversations usually start there. <laughs> but because the technical conversations of like, can you help me create an NFT collection? Yeah, that's easy. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that back and forth is what they're not used to in the Web2 world, right? Like, you know, a large company can buy a bunch of billboards and uh, commercials online or on television. And, you know, they kind of will say, you know, how did that campaign do? Well, you know, sales were up 10%. Great. It was a successful campaign, right? Or, or not. And that's really it, right? There's not really, they're not getting that true response. Whereas, as we know, in these communities, you know, people are not afraid to be vocal. Um, so that's definitely a, a, an entirely new kind of frontier for a lot of these companies to uh, to manage for sure. And I think I'm sure what you're selling, you know, into them as, as the, the huge plus side of, of this type of interaction um, where you have a community is once that community is on your side, and we've seen this, you know, in many projects as well, you know, then 
they are your advocates, right? You're, you're actually having an entire community now pulling in the same direction as you. It's not just your company anymore, right? And, and I think that's obviously the hook, right? I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's a lot of what you're talking about with them is, is, is how, you know, once we have a community that's aligned with, with the goals that, you know, now we have people who are, are not even part of your company who are going to be advocating for your brand or your product or whatever they're, you know, they're, they make or sell. Yeah, and 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 that goes on so many different levels, right? So when you talk about, let's say, my core business, like platforms and e-commerce, so it's basically helping companies build their digital business for the future, um, and that's pretty fundamental because when you get close to a company and help build their digital business, um, if they're not digi- a digital first company, so you know it might be so, so like an Amazon is a digital first tech company, right? So everything that's built from the core of Amazon is already for that digital audience. But there's a lot of companies that maybe sell paint or maybe sell cars, you know, like McLaren, or maybe sell, I don't know, like like houses or, or real estate projects. Like digital is not native to them. So what we're doing is we're helping them build those owned digital channels first. And then on top of that, of course, you know, you also have your social layer and you have your, uh, your commercial marketing layer and your sales layer and maybe your uh, event spaces and all of that. And that all needs to be interconnected in a way that it services as, um, let's say, digital touch points for individual journeys of the audience. And I don't know if I get into too marketing, uh, blah, blah here, but um, basically journeys, as we would know them in Web2, were very, very linear, right? You would, they, like, they were very standard. Like you see the billboard, then you'll be uh, seeing the repeat on TV and you'll see a couple of print ads and then you buy the product. That's like a linear traditional marketing funnel. Um, these days with all of the di- digital touch points that we get, we actually feel as as customers or as, as community members that we, um, we have to interact or we have to sort of get value from each digital touch point. So we don't accept messages the way that we used to, right? Because we feel that if we see that message on social, it needs to do something for me because I'm not just watching it. It needs to sort of, you know, allow me to do something. When I'm in the vicinity of a store and I get an ad or I see it on social, when I'm near the store, I need to sort of be actioned to get something back from that. So the digital, the digital, um, journeys of, of us as customers um, have become so complex that if you then connect Web3 to that, you add a whole lot new layer of complexi- complex- uh, uh, complexity on top of that. And like also us, like we haven't figured it out 100%, right? But we can go on this exploration with our clients um, to see what this would mean for them in the near future. So yeah, that's basically what we do. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm super interested in this stuff. So yeah, you can't go too deep for me. And you know, I know we're gonna have audience members that are more or less interested. And uh, but for me, this is exciting to to hear about someone that they're uh, doing this. And yeah, you think about you know even in the last few you know ten years, ten fifteen years at least where I am, you know, like we still had a lot of co- larger companies that were doing like print ads and flyers and things like that, right? Which 
like you said, there's not really anything beyond just, okay, I see it says Nike. I see just do it. There's a picture of a shoe. That's all the information I have, right? But now even something as simple as having a digital ad on a, on the side of your YouTube video, now I can click that. It can bring me to a website where I can have an experience. Like that's already so much more than it was 10 years ago, right? Um, or 15 years ago. Um, and, and then now I think that this Web3 is the, the next step where we're really having this experiential um this journey now with with uh, with products and with companies and with brands, right? And uh, it's it's really really interesting uh, for me at least. Um, and I'm curious: is there any kind of uh, tech that's emerging now? Um, maybe AI, maybe AI, and some other things. Is there anything that you're really excited about that you've been digging into, or is it just the AI stuff that you've been really? Uh, I know you're all over it from the art stuff. So just from what I've seen. No, yeah. So, so like every company, of course, you know, everybody's trying to figure out what AI can actually do for them. And, and we've been working on um, machine learning algorithms and, and trying to figure out what AI does for logistics and improvement of reading data sets because we have a pretty big data practice um, and, and in all sorts of uh, angles throughout the whole process of helping marketing and dig- digital businesses. So definitely that and the visual side of things where everybody gets excited about is of course uh, chat uh, gpt and um, um more the mid journey kind of things because it's visible visible right and it, it it it's available for everybody and everybody can play around with it but i think even in the web 2 space what is more interesting there is that everybody's sort of also looking for interoperability, right? How can we make sure that everything connects and, and talks to each other and I'm at the center of that as a person? And there's a lot of good technical stuff going on there because I think like Web3 has its challenges, like Web2 has, I think the challenges amplified to that because it has a lot of legacy and that whole legacy Web3 doesn't carry that legacy. Yes, it does carry some legacy, but it's all communities and and bigger groups that are helping improving that. And in Web2 space, you don't really see that except for the bigger partners that we work with, like Adobe and Salesforce and AWS, you know, like those types of companies. They are creating these bridges between all of those platforms to work with each other. also, we just announced our partnership with Salesforce, the Web3 Studio, which is was pretty excited that I could finally talk about it because I've been working with the teams and uh, yeah for over, for over a year now to to get this off the ground. Um, and that's that's interesting because Salesforce has now created this space um, like a module that you can sort of plug on top of their CRM system or on top of their their experience cloud. Um, that allows bigger companies like big um, uh, enterprise companies to step into the Web3 space without all the hassle of jumping through all the legal hoops and and and, and, and all difficulties that they will be facing there. And they're also a lot, sort of enabled to connect that into their CRM system which is massively interesting because that's where you bridge it to the bigger audiences. Like Web3 Maxis might not like that, but basically you want to enable um, Web3, how do you say that? Um, 
let's see the core of, of why we're in Web3, the participation and all of that and the ownership. That's what you want to enable to a bigger audience. And that can only happen when you do that through controlled uh, systems like this. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see how we can work together on that front to, to unlock more good stuff that comes from Web3 uh, into the Web2 audiences. Yeah, and I think this came up a little bit last episode of NOS is like, if we really want mass adoption, you know, there's going to be, you know, some concessions that have to be made as far as the decentralized and sort of the anonymous side of things, right? And and large companies are not going to jump in without being able to have their, you know, their T's crossed or their I's dotted legally, especially, right? Um and I think that, you know, that is the, that is the next step as far as, you know, these companies are begun. We're not going to see, you know, a company, like you said, like you were talking about Montclair, you're talking about uh, McLaren, Starbucks. These are huge, huge companies with, you know, huge reputations to protect as well, right? And and I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think that if we want mass adoption, we're going to have to, you know, give up some of that, you know. For for the most of it, right, like you'll make a distinction. Like you, you won't connect your 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 maybe your anonymous web three identity to these things. But there there's you know, like basically the average person has two to three email addresses uh, that they connect their stuff to, right? Uh, maybe even more. Uh, so you already sort of make that 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 segregation there uh, into what you do and what you don't like. Like even if you if you like. Even your credit card is like a massive loyalty system, right? And 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 that's also, you know, there identifying yourself in that space uh, allows you to get more benefits. And nobody has any problem with that. At least, you know, when they get extra rewarded and points for points in that side. So, yes, I get it that everybody sort of wants to build on that decentralized side of things, you know. And and I'm a real big believer in that. I think. I'm really uh, rooting to push that forward. But on the other end, that's not the space where you onboard the next 2 billion people. People are kind of using the word decentralized and the word anonymous, uh, you know, synonymously, but they're not, right? They're two different things. <laughs> so, you know, decentralized doesn't mean anonymous necessarily, right? Like you're someone who's now, you know, you, like you said, you're, you're sort of doxxed now as being part of the Evolve team. Um, so you're not anonymous, but you're definitely still decentralized as far as, you know, the whole pro- project is running on a decentralized platform, you know? Um, so I think that that's where people My network on, li- on LinkedIn is like... 10 times the size of my network on, uh, on, on Twitter. So like I, I can pretend, you know, like, Ooh, I'm, I'm this, this anonymous person, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and I guess like, I like, um, I haven't talked to a lot of, a lot of people, uh, you know, on the, on their real own, uh, web two or let's say the, their normal life's business. But a lot of us, you know, we, we are part of bigger companies and, 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 you know, it's not that I'm doing anything illegal or crazy in Web3. So, like, basically, I don't care about being doxxed. It's just that I don't want to get these weird-ass hackers on my on my case just because they think it's fun to steal my passwords. That's <laughs> yeah. why, I, you know, you want to stay a little bit anonymous. Yeah, and I think, honestly, in reality, 
in this space, there's very few people who are truly anonymous. I mean, you're putting funds in and out somewhere. Somewhere someone's KYC'd you usually, right? Like, so if you dig deep enough, you know, most governments, I know my country, uh, they want to get their cuts. So when I, if I'm taking out funds, profits, I don't know what that's like this year, but in the past when I took out profits, um, you know, they came out of a, a large exchange. They knew who I am, right? It, it goes back into your bank account. So they're like, hey. Yeah. Exactly right, um, and as time goes on, obviously that's become different than it was ten years ago. Um, so just kind of changing gears, um, speaking about more uh, of uh, one of the newer sort of um, projects you've jumped on board with, and you were someone talking about this uh, in our group chat a little while ago, and we all kind of looked into it. I didn't make the cut for the whitelist on this one. That's okay, but uh, you know it's cool to see you join the team. Um, but I want to hear a little bit about um, how you found. Uh, the Evolve team and kind of what you're doing there and just a little, maybe a little bit about the project for people who aren't familiar. Yeah, so uh, Evolve is a um, uh, Web3 brand, I can say. It, 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 it's, it's starting out as a brand and they're here to democrat, how do you say, democrat, democratize, <laughs> sorry, my, my native language is not English, uh, democ- democratize uh, uh, digital fashion. And so without sort of spoiling uh, or giving away too much there, they're really working on a, a bunch of stuff uh, to help creators uh, create and get involved with the digital fashion space. And so how I got involved with them is that the founder, Raul, uh, or Thunder on, uh, on, on Twitter, and I worked together at Media Monks for many years. And um, yeah, like we were always working together, pushing forward the Web3 uh, narrative also to our clients and stuff. And basically Raul went, went his own way and started building this project. And there's, it's, it's such a massively interesting group that is working on that. It's from other big agencies, bigger fashion brands, like people, people that you would recognize and know. Uh, and their companies that you would know. And so when we started talking and I was like, yeah, you know, I think within the team that you have right there, you know, I really like what I'm doing at Rebels. Um, so I definitely want to help see what I can do with creation and, and AI and see how I can help you activate your brand and your community there a little bit. And so... We haven't gone in too deep more in what that could mean, but I can also sort of imagine that would also involve brands maybe at a later stage. Um, And connecting brands and communities and creative, that's sort of the triangle that I want to play in in the Web3 space. So to me at this point, you know, that that brand and that project that they're building, um, yeah, I find it massively interesting. Okay, and then the frequency pass was sort of the Genesis uh, mint that's going to allow you almost like a membership to continue on uh, being involved with the project. Is that is that sort of the idea behind it? Yeah. So the frequency pass that that is more what what he tried to do is sort of curate the first audience that you know is is like what we have with Rebels and we have our little sub communities in there. Those are the people that always really come together, you know, and like we have the Buckethead Camp token, you know, and that means something and you can use it to do snapshots and then sort of attach like uh, like exclusivity or mints or, or stuff like that to the snapshots. That is basically the, 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 the idea behind the uh, behind the frequency pass for for AVOL. 
Um, but that doesn't exclude anyone from what the project further is building. Because, of, you know, there's he, he's openly talked about his PFP collection that is coming out. And the, um, the different um, uh, fashion collections that, that are also going to be attached to that. Um, I'll let them explain to, by themselves um, and how that will work and, and, and what that would entail. So it is just like getting the first part of the community up and running and engaging with the community, learning from them, seeing how to get them involved before just blasting a large collection out there. Because this group is really genuinely um, involved with building this as a company and as, as a business too. And they understand that the community actually needs to be an active part of what they're building. So, you know, coming back to, to what we just early talked about earlier, we have two companies trying to figure this out. Well, this is a way of figuring out how to engage with your community. Without it becoming about, oh, the collection, people start flipping and then, you know, what is it actually about? Is it about people that are not genuinely interested in your project, but are there for flipping and because they see the price come up, everybody's enthusiastic. And then when something happens, everybody's dumping on a project, which you see happening now with doodles and all of the others. Or are you more strategic in trying to sort of get people involved because of your project? And yes, the NFTs are the token gates and, and, and everything that comes with the Web3 benefits. So I think that's what that project is more about. And that's also what I found in Rebels. Like, I don't know how you experienced it, but the way that NASA always explained it to us was, you know, it is not a project with a massive amount of utility behind it. So you can trade it and flip it. It was a project for himself and with some genuine intentions behind it. And that's why I bought it. Yeah. And I mean, I initially bought in because the art was really cool. And I had a friend really, really hard show it to me one day. And I was like, this looks cool. Um, and I liked the idea of, you know, burning um, my night card and all that stuff. Like that was, that was still kind of novel to me at the time when it was happening. Um, and yeah, for me, certain communities, you know, it's, it's not about what I bought in at and, you know, what the floor is now, whatever it's, it is actually about that community and what it enables me to do. And like, even the, connections and folks I've met yourself, Nas, you know, Big Bad Wolf, many others, um, you know, and, and even what a lot of those people came in, sh they, you know, a lot of, uh, the, the other projects we found out as a result of our rebels family as well too. So, you know, I think that there's a, there's a huge benefit in, in that. And it seems like we've sort of become this community of creators, right? Like everyone is, is, is sort of, uh, creating something or doing something creative and whether it's visual art or not. Right. And for me, that's kind of what inspired me to do this, this podcast is something I thought about for a while. And I, you know, eventually got to the point where I was like, this is, I should just do it. You know, like what's the worst that can happen, <laughs> you know? So, um, and I think that's the attitude that web three has, right. Is that, just do it. If it doesn't exist or, or if you think that you can make a better version or you think you can provide something that's new or, you know, or you think that you can have uh, an impact, just go and make it. No one's stopping you. Right. And I think that's those barriers being gone is really what Web3 is all about. But, but also there, right, because you're pushing the boundaries here, too. Because the easy way or not the easy way, like and, and it's not disrespectful to anybody else. Right. But the normal way is to go on Twitter spaces. Right. And you chose to see, hey, you know, I don't know, you're, you're thinking behind it, but you're posting things on 
um, YouTube and I think also Spotify, right? So yep. it is there for a longer period of time and you're building, let's say, a new collection of talks there. But I think that is also an interesting approach, you know, of, of trying to sort of figure out what your unique proposition is there versus someone else. Yeah, for me, yeah, just to pull the veil back on my anonymity. See, I, speak, I only speak English and I'm still messing up here. So don't worry about it. Um, you know, I, you know, I just, I have a young family. I have a daughter who's about to turn nine months old. Me going on spaces for hours a day just isn't possible, especially a lot of times when they're maybe, I'm, you know, it's a project that's based out of, I'm in, I'm in North America. It's based in Europe. The timing doesn't work out. It's the middle of the day for me, right? I have a, I have a day job that I have to keep up with. So for me, I was just, I found like I was missing a lot. I, I started to talk to more and more people in projects and find out that, you know, more people than I thought were actually not in their twenties. They were in their thirties and forties and they had kids and they had families and they had a lot of stuff going on where, you know, they felt like they were missing these as well. And that's why I figured, what if we can start collecting some of this information and, and, and learning from some of these people in a, in a more easy to digest and sort of convenient package, right? And that's the idea is you can come listen to this conversation anytime at your leisure, right? Go to the gym, in your car, wherever, um, and you can hear this. You don't have to be on spaces at 4 p.m. on you know Thursday or whatever it's going to be, right? And that's, that's, that's what essentially you know, um, made me start thinking about, about doing this. Um, so now I got a question for you. So in a perfect world, you know, uh, the clouds open up <laughs> and the big ray of light comes down and they say, Rem, you are now the king of crypto. You can make anything happen. You know, uh, you're going to decide where this space is going. What What do you think are, should we be focusing on? Or what's your dream, you know, kind of space in, you know, maybe five years down the road? Like if you were going to have a bunch of developers, the Ethereum Foundation comes to you and they say, what should we be working on? What should we be trying to make? What would be sort of your your uh, your vision if, of the of the future of, of the space? I think <laughs> what we are really bad at is um, creating great user, great um, seamless user experiences. Right um, <laughs> now, you you sort of also have like the bitcoins and the ordinals and and all of that stuff, and I got also back into that space. And I actually found it pretty terrible uh, because you have to like do lightning wallets. It, it sort of brought me back to 2017. And I was, when I was sort of trying to talk to a couple of friends and they said, I like help us, you know, set up wallets and everything. And I could just imagine that what I found trying to get my Ordinals wallet up, up and running, that's how they experience at Ethereum. Uh, <laughs> Web3 space. So, so uh, yeah, I, I feel their pain, right? So um, if we can figure out a way to make this this experience of getting onto Web3 uh, more seamless, like even a pleasant experience, um, and we can make it more safe, you know, like 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 you just uh, also sort of uh, tip, tipped into, um, because it is a dangerous space if you don't know what you're doing because you're basically uh, exposing your 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 valuables to people who are a lot smarter and more savvy than than most of us are with with our wallets and stuff like that um, so yeah um, I, I would really much root for a better experience there 
And on the other hand, I hope that we get more companies or, or people or initiatives. I don't even know if they need to be companies um, on it that offer interesting experiences and, and gates to things that are genuine and that help us in a way that the Web2 space wouldn't be able to help us with. Um, I think that would be interesting. Yeah, I think that the adoption part is still very difficult, right? For someone who's never done anything in this space to jump on and, you know, download MetaMask and what the hell is that? And why do they give me these words and what do they mean? I can't lose them. And how do I get any money into this thing? And, you know, I, I was told that I was buying this NFT and it was 0.1 and now I have to pay gas fees. What's that? You know I mean? Like I, we really forget, right? As people who are in this space constantly, you forget from the outside that it's like, there's a lot of really confusing shit for somebody who's new to this space, right? Like, um, and if you don't have someone kind of guiding you, it's you're one click away from losing everything, right? Um, and it's 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 crazy. And we still see like, I'm sure you follow it too. Like, it seems like every week on Twitter, there's some sort of new hack or some sort of new thing that's we're finding out about where people are getting, you know, um, all of their assets stolen. And sometimes for some people it's a, you know, it's some pretty big assets, right? Um, the, well, the, there the, was just this, this guy, I don't know his, I know his name, but he just lost, um, like some board apes and stuff like that. Like 98 worth of, 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 <laughs> of asset. I was like, dude, what for me, what is all of that doing in one wallet? That that's just to start with. But the on the other hand, you know, like, wow, I cannot imagine losing almost a hundred K worth of, of, of valuables, right? Mm. That that's like when someone breaks into your house, steals two cars and the rest of your uh, interior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild, and I, I I see that too. Like I'm I'm a big advocate of using a ledger for all my you know my things that I find to be most valuable, and I don't have a hundred k worth of of uh, assets. But I it blows my mind because I do a little bit of Ether scan and OpenSea kind of looking at what people have and where it is, and I've seen people who have like a board ape um, as their Twitter you know, profile picture and you can click, it'll bring it right, bring you right to their open sea. And then in that same wallet, they're like actively trading out of it in and out. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like for me, I would have a single, not even just a wallet, but a ledger that was only that and just have that one thing in that one ledger. And, you know, maybe I would connect my Twitter so I can have it visible there. And then it would never be connected to anything else ever again. Right. Like that, that to me was, would be how you would handle a high value asset, not have a wallet that you're essentially using as a hot wallet, right? Like you're one click away, you know, it's two in the morning, you know, you're, you're on Twitter, you click a link and suddenly it's all gone, right? Like it's, it's easy to happen and it happens to people smarter and more experienced than people realize, right? It's not all new people. It happens to, and often when they have high value assets, it's, it's, uh, it is the more experienced people. And a lot of times you'll see often they'd write, or they'll, they'll write like a thread after of kind of what happened. And, you know, they always say I should have known better. Right. And, and that's people with experience in this space. So you start bringing in completely fresh, uh, you know, fresh blood into the space of people who have never done anything in it. And that's going to happen five minutes in. Right. And and you've seen it. I'm sure others have seen it. You know, they have these websites where they'll pretty much clone the code so that it looks identical to the real mint site of whatever, wherever you're 
trying to go to, and maybe they've made a you know a, a, a lowercase l where an i was in the URL, and like there's these little tricks where if you're just you just don't pay attention for a second, and suddenly you know you, you're uh, you're somewhere where you don't want to be. So I think I think yeah I think the security, and we sort of talked a little bit about that earlier as well, right? I think that that's that's the focus is is we're not going to onboard people with anonymous profiles and with the current way that things work, right? Even just to get someone to make a wallet, get funds into it and make a purchase on OpenSea, that's a big barrier to entry for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think also to that sense, you know, like just to talk about the security uh, side of it a little bit, I think it's very important that like people like us and the communities that have been in the space for us, Sometimes, you know, like we, you know, we keep talking about this, you know, and keep talking to people saying, hey, you know, when you get in and you have a little bit of money uh, in it, make sure you have three wallets, one your ledger that's never connected to anything. <laughs> like you, you, you have your hot wallet, you know, that, that, yeah, you can have some stuff in there, but, but, you know, you don't do, you just do your open sea stuff in there and just do, do buying and selling. And then you have your mint wallet, your Degen wallet. Where you can, you know, basically, if that that if you lose that, it doesn't even make a difference for you. And there's a lot of people from all over the world, right? We're from Western countries, so also on a financial side, you know, we're we're always pretty okay. But there's also a lot of our friends that come from countries that that you know um, have a high inflation rate and, and and stuff like that. And you definitely also want to be mindful of them because, you know, what what is uh, small for us might be pretty huge for them. And, you know, you definitely also want to sort of help keep them safe. And um, because we all know that, you know, it's as soon as as money comes in, comes in play, um, you know, our minds change like we have the same thing. Like when we get into a project and things go really well, we get very excited and we get reckless, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, it's always good that we then have the more grounded people around us. And and like for me, and and I think within the project, you know, it's it guys like Nas that that are very well versed in in security, um, and we have more people around us like that that keep us grounded and keep us safe, right? And 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 remind us to. Um, um, to not get reckless with uh, with these things, because like we think we're pretty savvy with these stuff, but the hackers are the ones that do this day in, day out. It's their job to outsmart us all, and they they're doing a pretty good job there. So let's also sort of, sort of keep that as a mission for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the more I talked to Nas, the more I realized that anything I thought I knew, I knew even less than I thought I knew. So uh, it was, uh, and it, but you know, but he's a great guy and he's very open and he's very, he speaks in, you know, plain English so everyone can understand. And I think that's what we need people that have that knowledge and are sharing it in a way that's digestible by everyone. Um, so changing gears from that, one last question for you. I've been seeing these previews of some different art you're working on lately um are do we have maybe is there like a a new project coming from ram or is this just a for fun experimenting with some uh some new art what's what's going on with that man i saw one for big bad wolf the other day (laughs) yeah no no so i'm just playing with that um i am working on a bigger project uh on the back of it but i am not in a rush like it can take a year i don't care um but i'm also not gonna sort of 
make people crazy around that or I'm not I'm, I don't have any sort of whitelist uh, for that and stuff like that so but it that that's that's not important um, this thing like I, I'm just collecting some wallets from the community like I actually have a list of, every, of everybody so that, that's not even a thing but you know just to have a little bit more engagement and I saw some really cool stuff coming out now again from um, um, with the AI and I have some interesting thing that I want to do there uh, and get it in the hands of our communities that actually post their wallet addresses there. Um, but I have to sort of figure it out because there's 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 something in in this AI kind of thing that that will make it unique, um, without being too cryptic there. But it's it's going to be fun. Um, and on the back of it, of course, you know you guys know that I'm working on the Dali NAS uh, project or the Dali Rebels project, and that is still going. It's not dead, right? But I just kept it away a little bit because I also saw a lot of our active community members fading out a little bit. And it's 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 logical, right? Because the market isn't there and the engagement isn't there. Or um, but we also see a lot of people that went out, you know, for for some time to work on their on their uh, real lives. Um, we see a lot of them also coming back again on a regular basis. So I'm just trying to figure out with the Dali Nas project. Uh, or the Dali Rebels project in, I'm just keeping, keep evolving it in the background. I'm just timing, you know, what would be a nice moment to bring that out and have the free mint out for everybody. And at the moment, you know, because it needs to then sort of also deliver a little bit of value there. Very cool. Well, we're looking forward to it. I've liked, you know, I've enjoyed everything you do. I, I am part of the uh, the Dolly Nas, Dolly Rebels project. I have it in my ledger, man. I think it's cool. So I, I'm holding that one. Um, to be some sort of historical collectible kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking in that space. So it needs to be fun for people to collect. And it's, it's you know, it's. That's the most fun in this space, right? Like, I mean, I think a lot of folks have their sort of conviction projects that they really do think, you know, uh, with time are going to be still active in the space are going to be maybe, you know, maybe they are going to be the next one that, that blows up. Everyone has those in the back of their mind. Usually if you see someone with one or two higher value, uh, you know, projects, then that's, it's fun. That's great. Um, but for me, the ones that are just fun and about community and that I just enjoy being part of, it's like, it's almost just easier, right? Like, cause I'm not really, I, my expectations are not anything at all. So then when something happens, it's that surprise and delight moment, right? Of, of, I wasn't really expecting anything beyond just art that I thought was cool. Um, and then, you know, uh, that if something com more comes from it, that's awesome. Um, but that's, that's a great way to, to, you know, kind of end on is that really should be, you know, the first thing that you're looking at is why are you in the project? What's your purpose, right? Like if you're here because you love the community, maybe you're, you know, you're a big fan of people that are creating the things that, that you're seeing um, and you, you genuinely like the art, then you're there for the right reasons. And then it doesn't really matter what happens if, if there is a floor price up or down or a floor, floor price at all, right? Um, um, that seems to be, you know, uh, a lot more fun those those type of projects, right? And and we saw it with with Rebels and with some of these other projects. We're seeing a little bit of PA, you know, price action change over the last few weeks, and people have feelings about that. Um, but you know, we see. I talked to community members there. I'm a member as well, and I talked to some of the people who've been there since the beginning, and they're holding a whole whack of them, and they've been really involved in following the the project and everything Voltaire is doing. And and you know, those people haven't even budged an inch. You know, they're they're. They have their genesis and all of their, you know, uh, psilocybin and all that stuff 
in their ledger. It's not moved. It's not going to move. And there's a really strong base to that community. And I think sometimes with the recent events of a few different communities, you know, um, and you'll see some people kind of get shook out or, you know, they're selling at a loss, things like that. Like you can't let that speak as that that's the whole community feels right. Because, um, a lot of the core base of a lot of these communities, um, haven't budged and are not going to budge. <laughs> and that's, uh, those are the people that I'm looking to hear from, right? Not so much the people who bought in last week and are upset that it didn't go up immediately as they bought in. Right. <laughs> No, but like, you know, I get it, right? When when you, like, I'm also PIL from, from the beginning. So my question, like when when Fold came out as a community, what do you guys want? Yeah, I definitely also sort of, you know, want to get rid of uh, the extra ballast in that. Uh, what we all collected, because there's really no purpose to a lot of these things anymore. And I just want to get back to enjoying what we were doing, you know, with Malek, with junior with class you know like all of these it was it was just such a nice vibe that we all had right and it it was basically not about trading and the money and all of that stuff um at least not for me like uh, for a bunch of people it was of course um that's why i'm i also still have that 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 whole set in my (laughs) in my ledger um and i'm not planning on selling that just because you know there's some price action or whatever going on there um i don't i don't care um but yeah, you know, especially the companies that are now turning into real businesses, like the Web3 audience, because they're in it with a, you know, with a different mindset. Then you sort of start building it as a company, and it, it sort of runs against a different drumbeat, right? In Web3, you need to deliver in three in two months. In Web2, like in reality, it takes a year, maybe two years to build it. What you, what you're actually trying to build. And that just doesn't match because it's basically when you get back to the whole thing, it's it's high risk trading. If if you would sort of see it as investment, right? And then these people get upset, and I get it, especially when you bought the top and you put in 10k or 50k. You know that's a lot of money, and people get upset because they they don't see it coming back up. But like, do you actually also do that? Uh, reaching out to Tesla and Sony and uh, Nvidia, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, telling them publicly that they need to get their business together and the market, you know, get on the back of the marketing director and telling him to engage more and build more campaigns for the community so the stock price goes up. Yeah, and I mean, and you don't really own the stock; you own the product, right? That's what people. Don't, that's where people don't understand is that you're not a stockholder. You know, uh, when I buy a PlayStation, I don't now own anything. I don't own a piece of, of Sony. Um, I own that product. And so my PS4, I should call them and say, Hey, PlayStation five is out now. This PlayStation four I got is worthless now. Like, this is crazy guys. I paid $500 for this six years ago. Right? Like, yeah. Why didn't I get airdropped a PS five to my front porch? Like what's going on? Um, yeah. And when you put it in those terms, it sounds absolutely ridiculous, but that's what a lot of people are doing. And there's a real misunderstanding between, yeah, being a stockholder and being someone who just is a consumer that bought a product really is what it boils down to. Right. And, and that's, um, that's where I think people, uh, you know, are, are sort of having that trouble making that translation in their mind. Um, and things like airdrops, like everybody wants everything airdropped for free to them all the time. Even like I was talking about with Nas, like even just the gas cost of doing that for these collections of five and 10,000 pieces, you know, we're talking about thousands of dollars um, that a project is going to spend to do that, that 
that money could be better invested in something else that'll benefit the project longer term, right? Even if it's only a few thousand dollars, smaller projects, you know, four or $5,000 could do a lot more for the project as a whole than it would, you know, minting some additional collection and putting it in your, your wallet for you. And I, I, I did airdrop the first uh, Dali Nas uh, piece of the collection to, to most of the holders in the beginning. But then, back then, the, the, ga- the gas fee was like one, $1 or something or $2. So, you know, that that's doable. But now these days, you know, if if, if it's like twenty dollars per airdrop, you can't just do that as a business. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. And you know, one dollar times ten thousand pieces is still ten thousand dollars that you really just spent on transaction fees, right? And but but then then a claim a claim, right? Like a free claim for people yeah. and they only spend like like two dollars or something, you know, that that that's what still makes it fun. That's also one of the reasons why I haven't put out any collections, because I just don't want a collection that is there to be a collectible uh, and not as much, you know, get in there and then have people trade it uh, because, because I, I did a couple of the collections yeah, just for fun for the community. Like I had this collection called Spideys. I don't know if, if, if you have, uh, if you remember that or if you were around. Um, so it was basically, we, I made a whole bunch of collection of like these cute little spiders and we were just having fun with it. And, and especially like, minting it for free and it was like two dollars per, per spidey or whatever we made with it um and then everybody changed their pfp to spideys and we just had a little bit a little bit of a laugh uh, from it and then you know now it's not for trading but then i accidentally opened it up and there was like people actually minting it and putting putting it on uh, uh on OpenSea for a price and then nobody was buying it no of course not because that's not what the purpose was for that thing right it, it was actually for us it was not for external traders that were trying to flip the thing. Uh, so I actually got people like, you know, like buying, f- like minting five of them, trying to flip them on OpenSea. But like, yeah. that's, that, that was not the purpose of that thing. Yeah, I think people just see these, have bots that just catch any new contract that's minting and they'll just, they'll just mint it, right? And yeah, I remember, I don't have one of the Spideys, but I remember seeing them. I remember, I think you did it through Nifty Kit, right? Like um, I remember hearing you talk about it. Yeah, um, I, I was sort of experimenting with the Nifty Kit because I thought I thought it was cool to to so one of the things that I wanted to do for the community is is sort of figure out what a good way is. So like we we have we have a lot of artists in there or you know people who want to be an artist, but they might necessarily not be savvy enough to um, or have the means to figure out how to set up a mint collection. How does that work in building a smart contract, even through the no-code solutions, right? Like, mm-hmm. what does it take? And so I went through the whole hoop with Nifty Kit, with MidJourney, and a couple of others. And there was actually some people in the community that I was able to sort of help because I did it a couple of times. And yes, of course, you know, you need to set up a couple of contracts. It costs, costs a little bit. But I could avoid for some people to set up the wrong contract um, which would have cost them like about 30, 30 bucks per per, uh, per contract. It might mm-hmm. not sound a lot, like for like I just said, like for us in the Western world, but there were some some of our friends that were from the more the eastern side of the world, um, for which 30 bucks is a lot of money. And so for them, it would be more of an investment. So we were avoid uh, able to avoid that. I was able to help them set up these contracts and you know, so they could actually start experimenting with that in a safer way. So, yeah. yeah, like we just tried to contribute, right, to the community a little bit. 
For sure. And saving people from making those mistakes is huge. Like, you know, $30 is no, it's not going to bankrupt me, but I'd rather spend that $30 on dinner than I would on a contract that I made a mistake on. Right. So just finding that stuff out ahead of time is great. Right. Um, now there's so many tools, right? Like I know you've been using Manifold and they're doing a lot of cool things with Burn Redeem and they're expanding that. And um, I'm not sure if you've looked into it. I'm just going to mention it on the podcast here because it's a really good tool. Uh, thirdweb.com. It's a completely free tool that lets you run contracts. A little more involved than a Manifold, but still very plug and play and very friendly to people that aren't coders. Uh, and that's backed actually by uh, C Ventures, which is uh, Coinbase's uh, investment side. Um, so there's a lot of big players uh, that actually built that site out and it's very safe and easy to use. Um, so there's more and more, you know, um, options coming out there and they're mostly free um, for people to start launching these contracts. Cause up until a couple years ago, if you want to launch even just a token contract, you're hiring devs and you're having to go out and do all the legwork yourself. Right. And it's like trying to build a house and you're going to be doing all the contracting individually and, and, and putting the whole project together. It's a lot, right. Versus being able to go to a place where everything just kind of works and you're just sort of, you know, putting your inputs in and it's spitting out exactly what you, exactly what you wanted. So it's great to see more and more things like that come on online and, and help get, get people creating, right. With this taking away that barrier. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, and the, the thing there is, is that these tools are not just tools, you know, that, that, that are out there by some shady company. Like Nifty is, is a solid company. Uh, I work with them, uh, while building the the marketplace for Gucci, uh, so they're actually it's actually powered by Nifty Kit, um, Manifold built by Richard and and the team, like very very respectable people in the space. In my opinion, um, there's a lot of really big artists on Manifold, uh, including guys like I think even Blau is on there. Um, um, I know the Ioki versus on there. That there's so many many big projects that that make use of that. Um, of that platform so like i just said you know it, it's not it's not that it's like small shady businesses that, that that do these things you can trust these these companies in my opinion uh try it out uh obviously always do your own research as i have to say for our u.s friends in here mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but yeah you know like the company that you just mentioned um it, it is really worth checking out to see if you can do something with it. And it does put your mind at ease, you know, when you do see, um, you know, who's behind some of these these different um, services for these types of things too, right? Because like I said, the idea of going out and just trying to find a dev a couple of years ago, you'd find good devs and bad devs and you'd find people who you made a payment and they stopped answering your messages. And, you know, that was part of the wild west nature of, of web three sometimes. And, and this is helping, you know, make it a lot easier to onboard. And I remember the burn redeem the first time I saw that feature, I think they piloted it with Alpha Centauri kid with his project. Um, and that was really cool. I was like, Oh, not only are you burning something to get something else, which I've seen with, you know, the night card and other projects that do similar things, clone X, um, that's just another one. Um, but you know, you're burning and you're actually choosing what you're getting. And that was really cool to know like, Oh, I can use this token actually, uh, you know, to redeem for what I exactly what I want. And, um, you know, I have multiple options. That's, that's kind of neat too. Right. So did did you get it or not? Or no, no, I wasn't in on that one, but I just, I just, I just watched, uh, I watched it happen. Um, yeah. yeah, I was actually it, like, like, uh, I don't know if we have time, but, but it was like a fun thing. I was actually on a business trip and I, 
heard him talk about it on the, on his Discord. And I was like, oh, I so desperately want to get an ACK because I, I've been a big fan of that, for, of him personally as an artist. And actually it was like I was somewhere in Europe and it was three o'clock at night because he was on US time. And I actually went in there and like I didn't have any, I just had a little bit of money on my on my, one of my mint wallets and I actually could just claim one of them. <laughs> Um, it was the, um, what was it? Like one of the experiments that he did and it was actually performance art, right? What he did. Mm -hmm. And then we got the, um, um, so he actually made a joke towards X copy. Um, and so we minted, I think a Max Payne, but X copy was coming out with that collection at the same day. So he actually sort of made a, made fun. Like we also minted a Max Payne and then in order to obviously not you know, disrespect the, the, the collection of X copy. We burned that into something else and then burn it into something else later again. Yeah. And yeah, I, and I, I, yeah. No, I just want to say, I, I think it's <laughs> so in, important, you know, that these types of artists do these types of things just to help us figure out, you know, how fun this space can be. Yeah. And for me, I didn't really know who he was at that time. And actually I remember where I was that night. I was, I was going to a concert <laughs> with my wife. Um, and I got the message in our group chat. You were in there. I think Tiku shout out Tiku. I think he was talking about it too. And I had never really known much about this guy. And I'm not typically the kind of guy who's going to mint something out of nowhere when I'm with my wife, half paying attention on my phone. So I just let it go. Right. Um, because I'm like, I don't know what this is. Like we post a lot of great stuff in that chat, but we post some stuff that, you know, who knows where it ends up. Um, so I didn't bother with it. And then I kind of watched it play out and it was really cool. Even just to on the sidelines, see what happened um, with that. Whereas it was the pale blue death was his, his piece that sold for 200 ETH and then it was burned and then everyone could get a version of it. Everyone got excited because holy what, you know, cause I'm sure the speculation for a lot of people was, well, what if, you know, what if I become a holder of this project and it's worth a lot at some point? And then it kind of flipped to the, uh, yeah, max pain. Um, and then everyone, some people were straight up, angry at him right i guess i saw it on twitter and then you know he kind of revealed that hey we're doing this really cool thing and you're going to be able to reveal for you know a similar um piece of art that's in different colors and shades and you know people started collecting them and it was really cool it turned into something uh really awesome that i would have loved to participate in but the conditions like you said you weren't even somewhere ideal but you sort of knew who he was already and were in his discord so there was some trust there but for me it was like it was someone who i'd never really heard of before i'm getting this link i'm literally about to enter a concert venue uh, and I just kind of was like, you know what? I'm going to let this go. I'll see what happens tomorrow with this. Maybe this is a rug. I don't know who this guy is or, or maybe it's something cool. And it ended up being something really cool. And then it started this wave of, I uh, started seeing more of these kind of burn to redeem projects. There's a lot of people doing cool stuff with that right now. And Manifold's actually expanding um, the ability to do that and make it a little bit more cost efficient. Because as you start, you know, building out these collections, every one of those contracts costs money to deploy, right? So it's it does get costly when you start to get really granular with it as well. But yeah, that was really cool was, uh, to kind of be a front row seat for that. Awesome. Well, I think I probably took up enough of your, uh, it's my afternoon, but I don't know what time of day it is for you, but uh, quite a bit of your time here, sir. And I appreciate you coming on. And I think we really covered a whole bunch of different things uh, that you got going on right now. And I'm sure if we talk again in a few months, there'll be a whole bunch of new things you're doing. Um, so hopefully we'll have you back on again, but thanks so much for your time. Um, I'm going to plug your socials and everything in. If people wouldn't want to know where to find you, 
Um, because I think, you know, not only are you doing a lot of cool stuff in our space, um, but even just the art you've been creating is amazing. And, you know, we, we kind of tease that maybe something's coming down, down the pipe in the future uh, and they can keep an eye out for that because you, you're known to kind of just here and there drop these little pieces of things you're working on. And I always love seeing it on my timeline. Uh, thanks <laughs> Thank so much. Thank you so much, man. Thanks so much.